A reading from the Gospel of Matthew. Jesus put before the crowd another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was asleep, an enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seeds in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. The slave said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first and bind them into bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world and the good seeds are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The son of man will send his angels and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and all evildoers and they will throw them into the furnace of fire where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Let anyone with ears listen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In literature, we often talk about the archetypes of characters. Archetype classification became fairly popular with Carl Jung. And we know them as the hero, the wise person, and one of my particular favorites, the trickster. Often like Shakespeare's Puck, causing mischief and trouble, or in Harry Potter, Fred and George Weasley. Great stories have great tricksters, keeping the characters on their toes, keeping the narrative moving forward. They are crafty, sometimes called deceitful, but often wise in hidden ways. It's a common device that Shakespeare used in his plays. The character of the fool is often the character of the trickster, relaying wisdom, keeping the narrative moving forward, and keeping us, the readers, the watchers, the listeners, engaged and interested. What would these stories look like without our tricksters? Well, Midsummer Night's Dream wouldn't really have happened at all. And in most of our beloved stories, things would have fallen a bit flat. Tricksters keep things moving, keep things interesting, keep the heroes and the villains on their toes. In our stories today, in our scriptures today, we are being introduced or reintroduced to one of the original tricksters. Jacob is often referred to as a trickster in scripture. He is the second born of Rebekah and Isaac. Isaac, you will we'll remember, is the son of Abraham. 
also the second born son. Jacob is a twin to Esau and the second born of the twins. He comes out grabbing on to Esau's foot, clambering out in competition with his brother. Now in ancient Israel, and frankly, this isn't all that different in many cultures today, the firstborn son is the most prized, is the one who receives the inheritance, is the one who is most honored. Jacob is having none of that. And we know his name to this day because he is a trickster, because he is multifaceted, multidimensional, and unwilling to live within the status quo. Jacob in a moment of weakness of Esau, is able to convince Esau to trade his birthright Jacob then pretends to be Esau to go to their father, Isaac, and receive his blessing. It is through his craftiness that, East, that Jacob receives the birthright, that Jacob receives the blessing, that Jacob rises to the level of prominence that we know he has today. Now, usually if I use the phrase trickster, or when we talk about these characters, we think that they're somehow bad. Or properness. Should Jacob have life? Jacob have been satisfied with being the second son? Deceiving the system to have his own gain. These aren't characteristics that we are used to applauding and upholding, but they are characteristics we have a great deal to learn from. Renita Weems is a renowned modern biblical scholar. And what she says of Jacob is, what makes Jacob's story so incredibly engaging and kind of inspires the energy that we're feeling now is that he is the first character in the Genesis story that provides us with so many different dimensions of a particular character. I mean, here we finally have someone, we have some adjectives we can use, deceptive, clever, shrewd, subtle, whatever. Before Jacob, we're finding mostly characters are pretty one-dimensional. They pretty much do what God says and may protest a little here and there, but in Genesis, this is, aha, someone who is human, the first real human person. We are breaking away from the trope of the benevolent servant of God. We are breaking away from one-dimensional characters to see someone with goals and ambitions for themselves, someone who perhaps we can see a little bit of ourselves in, and the blessing of this story is that that's not a bad thing. In our gospel today, we are once again hearing about soil and seeds and wheat, and there's only so many stories I have about soils and weeds and seed. But I'm drawn to this idea of good and bad growth. See, if we think of our tricksters in our stories or in our lives, troublemakers, we're pretty used to calling those the weeds. 
we are trained to think of anyone who fights the status quo, of anyone who doesn't appear to behave in the way we expect, who fights against the way and the proper order of things as being trouble, as being a weed, as being something disruptive and unruly. And this, this mindset of looking at the tricksters as weeds, as looking at the tricksters as something to be rid of, makes us dangerously open or frankly dangerously closed off from finding God's revelation. For Jacob in all of his trickery, in all of his cunning, is blessed by God. We have this Old Testament story of Jacob laying down with his head on a rock and having a dream of the ladder to heaven, Jacob's ladder. He is in the presence and audience of God. He is blessed by God and given God's name. Despite the fact that he did not do anything he was supposed to do. So the trickster receives the blessing. So why are we so wary to bless the tricksters? Why are we so quick to call tricksters in our midst the weeds? We hear it all the time. You know, it's actually a conversation we're having a bit in our sacred ground class. This week, one of our chapters in the book, Waking Up White, talked about the role of politeness in our society, in our culture. Don't make waves. Don't fight the status quo. Don't make anyone else uncomfortable in how you talk about religion or politics or race. And that politeness, that need to fit in with the status quo, the way in which we have demonized those who make us uncomfortable is not the way of God. It is the way of the empire. It is the way in which we continue to strangle God out of this world. Tricksters come and disrupt the order of things. Jacob was unwilling to be satisfied as the second born son who gets nothing. He was unwilling to be just okay with the order of the world. And so he fought it and changed it for himself. In the tricksters, we see not weeds, but the glory of God manifest in the multitudes of ways in which we are incarnate in this world. How often have we trained ourselves to view the good wheat as that which is proper and without waves? And how often are we misidentifying the weeds, pulling that which makes us uncomfortable in the name of God, but what is really in the name of the empire. This week, we lost a giant of the civil rights movement, Representative John Lewis, whose tweet from last year, tweets are on Twitter for those who are tweeters, <laughs> said this, do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful, be optimistic. 
Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. The tricksters and the troublemakers have changed our world for the better. And in Jacob, God is calling us to get into some holy trouble, to be okay with making some waves, to be okay with fighting the status quo. The giants of history who have changed the world for the better, who are the ones who actually make this world look like the kingdom of God, have gotten into trouble. They have been named by corruptive powers as weeds that need to be torn out when really they are the seeds of God planted to spring forth a new garden in this world. We are being called to look with new eyes, to reject the way in which we have been taught to classify the world around us, to look for holy trouble, and to join in with those who are leading the way, that we too might be holy troublemakers, because the status quo will never bring us to the kingdom of God. The status quo is not going to get us closer to Christ. In the midst of his journey, Jacob in his travels, in the middle of some place in which he thought God could not be, recognizes God's presence and names that place Bethel. Beit El in Hebrew, Beit meaning house and El meaning God, house of God right there in the midst of what could have been a deserted place. Where are we failing to see God? Because we are failing to fight against corruption. Because we are so tied to the way in which we are used to doing things. Right now in our world, we have been challenged to live in a way we have never lived before. Six months ago, I would not have believed that I would see so many of you sitting on Zoom, worshiping with us on a Sunday morning. Yes, we miss our sanctuary, but guess what? Every place where we reside is Bethel. Every place we reside is the house of God. Imagine what else is possible if we reject the way in which we are used to doing things if we follow an unknown path, if we trust new growth as being something of God, even if it stirs things up, even if it causes a little trouble. Because frankly, I would rather stand with those who've been named the weeds who have changed the world and be a holy troublemaker with Jacob, with John Lewis, with all others who have fought for a different way of being than to live in the ordinary and the standard and the polite because polite will not change the world. <sighs> perhaps we can see tricksters in a different way and perhaps we can see our own inclinations to stir things up as being holy and God-given for that nudge of the spirit rarely makes us comfortable, but it can lead to the wonderful if we are willing and daring enough to follow it. Amen.